0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Joel, and uh, we're so glad you're here. How many people are glad you made it to church this morning? Amen. And thank God that you live in Edmonton. Because if you lived in Calgary, you would have a foot of snow on your car, and you would be a loser on top of that. Um, so we're glad you're here, and, and we're glad you live in Edmonton, the greatest city in the province, in Jesus' name. Um, we're continuing our series. We took a couple-week break uh, on our series, uh, Live No Lies, uh, because we had Thanksgiving last week, and then, or two weeks ago, and then uh, we had... Pastor Helen Burns with us last week. She, she just gave a phenomenal message. We love her so much. But we're continuing the series we got this week and next week on Live No Lies. And, uh, you know, we just, the thing is, is as we go through life, sometimes we can just get lies in our heart. People tell them to us. We tell them to ourselves. Um, culture tells them to us. And we can start to live with those lies in our heart. And we don't want that. We want the truth of God to come in to change us. And and to set us free, really, because what happens is those lies get in there and we start to live almost in bondage to them and and they they hold us back and and God wants to just tell you, hey, that's that's not for me. I I have so much more for you. So we hear the word, um, we hear it in church. uh, You know, I don't know if you ever hear people say this, but you probably heard it. People say the world. They say, oh, you know, the world this or the world that. It's the thing church people say. You don't really hear yeah, I mean, people talk about the world, but they don't say, oh, the world did this, as in a group of people, the world, or a group of thinkers, the world. Um, and so what does that really mean? I mean, it's in the Bible. Jesus often referred to the world. And I remember uh, one of my friend's moms growing up, she would always use this line. She would always be like, you know, you kids shouldn't be doing that. It's too worldly. You ever hear people talk like that? Like, oh, you're not wearing that outfit? That's a worldly outfit. We are Christians in this family. You go and change right now. It's too worldly. Or you just gotta stop watching that TV show. We're gonna turn on McGee and Me or Salty. Those are some of the old school ones that I would watch um, because those shows, The Simpsons, is worldly. And, uh, you know, you hear people talk this way. When we talk about the world in this uh, negative sense, what are we saying? The world and the way Jesus is referring to the world, is the system of practices and standards associated with secular society. So what's secular society? Um, it's a society as, that lives as if there is no God. So Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, The world is our cultural and social practices that are under the control of Satan and thus opposed to God. It sounds a little heavy-handed, but is there really any neutral ground in life? I mean, it either belongs to God and it's submitted to God, or it's up for grabs. And that's where the, the enemy has his way with things. Everything belongs to one or the other. And sometimes what I've found for my life and other people's lives is we compare ourselves with people in the world and we feel frustrated because sometimes their life seems easier and happier than ours, doesn't it? I know I have. Come on, we could be real in church this morning. Have you done this? We can be honest. We don't have a confession booth, but you could just say it right now. We, we can be honest. Um, that sometimes, you know, we, uh, we see people's lives and we think, it seems a little bit easier To live that way you see the world has their own set of rules and those rules are easier to play by a lower standard is easier to meet and we think about an easier life i mean who wouldn't want an easier life there's a lot of you know uh complicated things out there but the problem with the easier life and the attraction of it is that there's long-term consequences to the lower standard And there's long-term consequences that that Jesus sort of pointed out to us. He said, narrow is the road to life, but broad is the road to destruction. That yes, it is easier. And yes, you know, there might be some times that you you find things a lot easier to live as the world lives, but it's a road to destruction. People in the world, they no longer gain their morals from God. They gain them by becoming their true, authentic selves. Especially in Canada. You know, we live in this, in this uh, I think, growing up, people would call it a post-Christian society, as in a lot of people's grandparents or um, aunts and uncles or family, whatever, the people that they looked up to would go to church, but then they weren't going to church. Now what I'm finding, the more I talk to even some younger people, and even as you reach out and invite people to church, uh, we're now living in a society in Canada that's actually pre-Christian. As in, no, my parents didn't go to church, or my grandparents didn't go to church, and and what is that about? It's actually getting further and further. And and so people don't gain their morals from God. A lot of the times they're gaining their morals from, okay, am I being myself? Uh, They say things like, well, that's just me. That's just how I am. You're gonna have to deal with it. It's easier, um, it's a lot easier for people to live within their boundary of authenticity but what did Jesus say that we're called to? You know, you're not called to just be your true, authentic self, whatever that means. Jesus said that you're called, Romans 12, 2, to not be conformed to the patterns of the world. John, 1 John 2, 15 says, don't love the world. If you do love the world, the Father's not in you. Wow, it's pretty intense, Jesus. Actually, that was John, but whatever. It, it, his, um, and then James 4, 4 says friendship of the world is actually hatred towards God. Whoa. So there's some pretty clear instructions in the Word of God here that Jesus saw the world as the enemy of the soul. And we're going to read from John chapter 17 this morning. If you have your Bible, you could grab it now. If you have your phone, switch over to the YouVersion app. Or if you have the church app, it's going to be in there as well, the Celebration Church app. Or it's going to be on the screens. I just encourage you, read along with me, because the Word of God is a lot better than the Word of Joel. And I want you to get the Word of God in your life this morning. So we're going to read John chapter 17. We're going to go 14 to 18 this morning. And just read along, uh, follow along as I read it to you. And So what happens in this John chapter 17 is that Jesus is preparing to die. And as he prepares to go away and, and not be with his disciples anymore, he's praying to God and he's saying, God, this is my desire for them. He's praying over them saying, God, this this is my desire, is that these things would take place in their life. How many people know prayer is an important thing for your life and mine? If Jesus uh, felt it, uh, you know, the one guy who maybe had an excuse that I don't really need to pray because I am God, he's praying here to God. And so it's so important, get prayer in your life, not just to, to bless the food so you don't get food poisoning, but for more than that in Jesus' name, we need to pray to God. So John chapter 17, 14 to 18, I'm gonna read from NIV. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So 1714, Jesus says, the world hated them. Why would the world hate us? Because when Jesus gives you his word and you obey it, you, it makes you different. And people don't like different. That when people don't understand something, that bothers them. There's some things that are, people are not going to understand about you if you start to follow Jesus, if you really follow his teaching and his word. If you obey the word of God, some people are going to hate you for it. This is a promise from Jesus. But Jesus was never of the world. And people certainly hated him for that. I mean, Jesus died for that reason, that people hated him. And as we align ourselves with Jesus, that's how we become not of this world. I mentioned, you know, growing up in the 90s, uh, there's some, you know, different things that people would do to kind of make themselves not of this world. It's like, we only watch VeggieTales, McGee and Me, you know what I mean? Like, we only watch these certain things so that we're not of this world. Another thing that that happened in the 90s is there was actually these t-shirts that said the brand was not of this world. Anyone know what I'm talking about? NTW, a uh, couple people. This is very niche stuff this morning uh, that I'm, I'm preaching about. But um, the t shirt was, the, the idea was, I'm not of this world. But it's not a t shirt that makes us not of this world. It's not veggie tales that makes us not of this world. It's not homeschooling our kids that makes us not out of this world. I'm just trying to say some you know, stereotypical things, Christian. It's not listening to Shine FM that makes us not, a, not of this world. It's aligning our lives with the life and the teaching of Jesus. Amen. That as we align ourselves with Him, it makes us not of this world. He was never of this world. So as we obey Him, as we follow Him, as we read His Word, as we're, we spend time in His presence, like we did this morning in worship, we become not of this world. And the more we align ourselves with Jesus, the less of this world we are. Earlier in John, Jesus said, If the world hates you, it's all good. They hated me first. It's okay. I get it. I get where you're coming from. He says, you're not of this world. And that's the tension that we live in. As a believer, you'll never fully fit in. Oh, what an encouraging message this morning. Come on. <laughs> but do you ever feel like you don't fit in? Maybe it's at work. You know, maybe it's, it's within your family. Maybe it's within certain friend groups. You just feel like, I, I, I think that sometimes even as a church, people can walk by a wall that says not just a place to attend, but a place to belong and, and say, well, I still don't fully feel like I fit in. Can I just tell you this morning that that's okay and that you're not the only one who feels that way? In fact, I think fitting in is a myth. I don't, I don't think it fully exists. I think everybody in some aspect of their lives feels like they don't quite fit in. And what do we often waste time doing? We spend hours trying to fit in. Oh, if people, you know, we just, we, we spend brain space thinking, ah, oh, they looked at me that way again. They didn't connect with me the way I, I wanted them to connect with me that time. Maybe if I just did this or dressed this or said this or acted this way, maybe I would then feel like I truly fit in with them. We spend thousands of dollars trying to fit in with people and we compromise who God made us to be, because we're trying to please people, but we were born to please God. We attempt to fit in with the world. And what does Jesus say? You're not of this world. Basically, don't bother. Don't bother. It'll lead to living a lie. So if you want to have peace, like we sang about this morning, stop trying to fit in. Spend your days impressing Jesus, not people. Oh, what would happen if we just took that to heart in our lives? You, you go to work tomorrow. And I think if we get it wrong, you know, we're like, I don't impress you, boss. I impress Jesus. You know, whatever. And, and you could make a mess of that. Um, but if you, as you get his word in your heart, you start to understand what impresses Jesus. And that actually, as you honor your boss, you're impressing Jesus. And you don't do it because your boss deserves it. You do it because Jesus deserves it. You do it because as you do your job, it's an act of worship to him. You do it because as you lead your family, husbands, it's an act of worship to him. You do it because, man, as you raise children, it's not that they deserve the greatest parenting in the world. Mine certainly don't, I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) What do we do? We parent out of a place of worship to God. I want to spend my days impressing Jesus, not people. And see, the world has this luxury we we'll call it a luxury, called compromise that we don't have. Their life is easier at times. And we can find comfort knowing that we were never called to fit in. That if we don't feel like we belong, that that's okay. That this is a temporary home. And thank God this is a temporary body. Um, he'll make it better in heaven. Um, If I don't ever get to the gym before then, but maybe. We'll see. All right. We're not supposed to be of the world, but we are supposed to be in the world. Jesus had a specific prayer on chapter 17, uh, 15. That It's not, I pray God, that you don't take them out of the world. When I go, don't bring them with me. They got something to do here. And that's for you and I as well, not just his disciples. God needs you to have your finger on the pulse of the world around you. Why? Because the most famous verse in the Bible, because God so loved the world. Because God so loved the world. That God gave his very best. He gave his son for you and for me and for all those people who aren't following him yet either. You know why God doesn't want you out of the world? Because God loves people. Man, God loves people. What does he say about you in Matthew chapter 5? You're a city on a hill. You're light in the darkness. You're the salt of the earth. You make a difference where you go. That in a a bland world, that, you know, it's so tempting and easy just to sit there and complain about, you know, oh, this is going to hell, and that's going to hell, and all these things are just so messed up in the world. It's so easy to sit and complain about it, but we're supposed to go and make a difference in it. We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a city on a hill. That your life speaks louder. What God is doing in you is important, and people need to hear about it and see it. And that brings glory to God. People need to see the goodness of God that is within you. This will bring God glory. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, I just, I don't measure up. I'm, I'm actually not gonna bring God, God glory. Can I tell you, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That no matter how messed up you are, no matter how many mistakes you made, no matter how many, you know, you might not even be able to quote the Bible. You could at least quote John three sixteen. In Jesus' name, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you and you bring that where you go. People need to see the goodness of God that is within you. It'll bring glory to him. So we need to understand, speak the language, and engage with the people in our day-to-day lives outside of the church. We cannot shelter ourselves from, from the world, but we must prepare for it. We have to be intentional about our thoughts, our actions, and our lives. Be intentional about who we surround ourselves with every day about who we take advice from, about who's allowed to speak into your relationship and, and what you do with your life and, and, and big decisions you make. Because monkeys see, monkey do. Monkey poop all over you, as Michael Scott would say. Um, but it happens, you know? Just like when yawning, when you yawn. You yawn. We to talk about yawning, it's making people want to yawn. But uh, you yawn, somebody else sees it, they yawn. And so as we're in the world, we got to be careful about who we surround ourselves with and who's allowed to really have that inner circle in our lives. Because health is a product of your proximity to other healthy people. And Jesus intentionally prayed that we would be in the midst of those who are far from God. So if we're going to be in the midst of the world, disciples need other disciples. We need connection, we need community, we need support. We need strong, healthy support from those who are near to God. How do we find someone to be that support, to be with us? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So get some of those people in your life. Get around some people like that. You don't need many, you need two to three. But as you do that, there's this tension because we are not offered the safety Of the removal from the world. And here's what I find, that if I'm not careful, I start to insulate myself from the world. And I almost start to, and Jesus prayed, I don't want you to be out of the world. God, don't let those disciples come with me. I don't want them to come with me. But if we're not careful, we just start to do that on our own. We're removed from the world, and everything we surround ourselves with It is not what so many people who are far from God are experiencing. And all of a sudden, we don't speak the language. All of a sudden, we don't have any connection. All of a sudden, we're not a light in the darkness because there's not much darkness around us. So we gotta prepare. If we're not offered the safety of the removal, then we need to prepare to be in the world. What What safety have we been offered? We've been offered the prayers of Jesus to the Father. Seventeen fifteen says, "Protect them from the evil one." A lot of, uh, or some translations at least say, uh, instead of protect, they say keep. And the Greek word that they're trying to translate here is the imagery of like a tent. He's kind of saying, like, in the midst, what what tents do? They they protect you from the elements and the spiders whatever is out there, right? And the rain and all this stuff that goes on, that you can be in it, surrounded by it, but God can protect you. He can put that tent around you. Can I just encourage you that when you're praying for your children, pray this, John chapter 17, 15, over them. God, would you keep them? Would you protect them? Pray that over yourself. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a fear that we need to live in. It's that we need to embrace the words of Jesus. Like, I don't need to, maybe, maybe at times, I, you know, I'm gonna pull them out into different things, but uh, that I, I just believe that I don't have to stress so much about isolating them, but I can, I can pray that God, when they are, are exposed to stuff, would you keep them? Would you protect them? At some point, they're gonna be 18 and they're gonna do their own thing. And we can, you know, we can uh, isolate them as much as possible, but I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we miss and we're trying to hide them so bad and they're not prepared for when they get exposed to certain things. But we can pray, God, would you protect them? Would you keep them? And earlier, Jesus says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So some stuff is gonna suck. But you also have protection and the compassion of Jesus. I love that when we prayed earlier, we are praying for healing for people. You know why Jesus heals? Well, one thing is that when you get your healing, it brings glory to God. And so that we're all encouraged today by bringing glory to God from that person's story. That's great. But if you read through the instances in the New Testament where Jesus heals people, it's often tied with this. They'll, They'll say a line either before or after in multiple different areas in the gospels where it says, Jesus took compassion over them and he healed them. Jesus heals because he has compassion on you. I tell you this morning, if you're feeling shame or if you're feeling like you maybe just are, are far from God, you don't deserve this, I just wanna tell you this morning, Jesus has compassion on you. You feel like you messed up. You feel like you've wasted years. Can I tell you, God will restore those years. Jesus has compassion on you. He loves you so much. And no matter how many times we mess up, Jesus has compassion on you. Nothing's going to change that position towards you. He's been the same yesterday, today, forever. He had compassion in the New Testament. He's going to have compassion on you for whatever you're going through. Yeah, let's, let's, you can clap and I can get a drink and we can get through this. Jesus is praying for his disciples. Saying, keep them in your name. He's saying, I've guarded them. And then he prays later in John chapter 17, after this verse, he says, that they all may be one. That that unity is so important in the body of Christ. And we can get, we can have attitudes at times. John chapter 17, 21, 22, he talks, says twice in those uh, verses. That I, God, I want them all to be one. And there's other areas in the Bible where this is talked about. Paul talks about this as well. But I, I just think it's an important thing to note because some of the critique that comes from the outside world to the church is that they can't even get along with each other. Look at all the denominations they have. You know, I know church people who gossip about other church people, whatever. I tell you, that, that, that speaks really loud to the world outside of us. But that wasn't Jesus' desire for us. Now, we might have doctrinal differences between us and a Baptist church or a Catholic church or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, we're all one. We're all full of the Holy Spirit. Whether we like it or not, we're all full of the Holy Spirit. And can I just tell you that that's God's prayer for us is that we wouldn't speak nasty about this one or that one or or whatever, but that we'd all be one. It's part of reaching the world. how How does he protect us? How does God protect us? Well, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. It's a great protection, a convictor, a comforter, somebody to guide you. He gives us his word as a protection for us as we follow it. Helps us live within the boundaries. It gives us freedom, actually. And then he gives us his bride, the thing Jesus loves the most. Because that's what you love the most, your bride. You, You should love your bride the most. Um... But that's what Jesus loves the most. And church community is a great protection that God gives us. And it's so important that we don't take that for granted, that we just kind of go, eh, whatever, and get familiar with it. But that we're, we're thankful for it. We embrace that church community. But then also, part of being a place to belong is this is a place where I can invest. If you're looking for a church today, and you're here, you're maybe church shopping, that's Okay we're glad you're here. Thanks for considering us. Um, But I think a a big part of a place to belong is not just, do I have friends that I like talking to? A big place, part of being a place to belong and getting our relationship with the church right is, is this a place where I can invest? And I'll just tell you that, 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 that it's the bride of Christ. You got to find a place that you can call home, put your roots down, and not just take from, but invest into. That's what being a place to belong is all about. Here's why this is so important. I just want to use this example, please. I'm sorry if I offend anyone with this, but um, I've unfortunately seen a few, not a ton, but a few um, abusive, particularly emotional. Uh, emotionally abusive situations happen through the years, especially when I was a youth pastor, my goodness. Um, And I've seen a few of them. And I've noticed a pattern with people who are abusive, especially emotionally abusive. The first thing they do, the first part of the, 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 the process of theirs is that they remove people from their community. They start to isolate people from their community. How do they do this? They start to talk trash. They start to uh, sow seeds of mistrust. And what do they, they, they want you to believe that you can't trust the circle around you. You can only trust me. Why? Because then as they continue to abuse, you don't have anybody to bounce it off. You don't have anybody to run it through or talk to, and they can have their way because they know, deep down inside, they know how messed up they are. And so the first thing they do is they detach, they isolate so that they can do what they want to do. They detach people from their support system. This is unfortunate. But this is the same thing that the accuser does, which is what Satan means, the accuser. He isolates you. He starts to pull you away from community. It's dangerous to him that you have people that are close to God in your life. And if we're going to be in the world, we need the support of community because we become the relationships we cultivate and the culture which we belong to. If you're going to be in the world, you got to be of the church. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. But if you're going to be in the world, you got to be of the church. It's not just about, you know, attending once in a while, making sure you're here a little bit, you know, just get, get in a seat a little bit. It's, it's more than that. If you're going to be in the world, You gotta be of the church. And what does Jesus pray over us? He says, God, sanctify them by the truth. Cleanse them by the truth. And just as Jesus was sanctified and sent into the world, we are sent by Jesus himself into the world. That this is something he's, this is a, a direction he's sending us. Well, it was sanctification. Sanctification is the process that after we're justified, after we come into salvation with him, we, we're, we're, we start to get sanctified. And so we start to, as we get into the, the words and the teaching of Jesus and into his presence, we wanna be like him and we start to change things about ourselves. Not because this is what we need to do to be holy, we're holy because he made us holy, but because we wanna be near him, we wanna be just like him and we wanna serve him because we love him so much. And so you are sanctified and sent. Everybody, let's just say that. One, two, three. I am sanctified. Okay, come on. Let's say it like we mean it this morning, like we're excited about having lunch in a few minutes as we leave church today. God's gonna do something in your life today and tomorrow, and you have a mission for your life. Let's say it. One, two, three. I am sanctified and sent into this world. You don't need to hide from the world to be holy. Jesus made you holy. And the lie we believe is, I can't be sent into the world. The world will tarnish me. You're sanctified, not so you can keep it to yourself, but so the world can see the work of Jesus within you. You'll glorify God with that. Let's make sure we allow the work of Jesus to happen within us. One of my favorite commentators, D.A. Carson, he says this about this verse. I love this. If someone is set apart for God, And God's purposes alone. That person will do only what God wants and hate all that God hates. That is what it means to be holy as God is holy. It's beautiful. That's the process of sanctification. We love God. We want to be like Him. We got to trust Him that God has the best design for your life. God has more to offer you than the world. He does. He's got so much more to offer you than the world. Doing what God instructs just leads to a better life for you and I. And Jesus' whole prayer just leads to the end where he's, uh, in, in 17, where he's just like, oh God, there's a, there's a cleansing for these people. And they're going to mature. They're going to continue to be sanctified by the word of God. And he's leading us to deny ourselves, to examine ourselves, to keep watch on our hearts, and to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to seal the word of God in our hearts. But one of the lies we get into is we think, oh, maybe the world's got a point on this or that. We we lie to ourselves thinking, we'll be free if maybe we tried their structure for freedom. What's the Bible say? The truth will set you free. That the boundaries of the truth is what helps you live in true freedom. Because if you don't have those boundaries, you're a slave to your desires. You're just a slave to how you feel in the moment. And so, yeah, as we are in the world, but not of it, earlier, John chapter 15, Jesus says, you got to cut off some branches that don't bear fruit and prune the ones that do, make them nice. Jesus sent you into the world, 17, 18. And you're created in the image of Christ. You bring him with you. And here's the two lies that I find, the ditches of this verse, John chapter 17. One is, I'm not supposed to be in the world at all. I'm just got to isolate myself from them. They're nasty. Just get through this life and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this thing. Just don't allow people to come near me that are far from God. The other ditch is that the world has something better to offer than Jesus. You're sanctified, made clean, set apart. You make the world a different place. Jesus sent you in there because there's purpose for you. You cannot hide. Matthew chapter 5, you're a city on a hill. Don't put your light under a bowl. (sighs) Go out there. I know it's scary, but you have the light. You're the salt of the earth, the light in the darkness. You're born for such a time as this. Follow Jesus and stay connected to this world that needs Jesus so badly. It's so easy to just complain about the direction that things go sometimes, but man, that's, who, that's why we're here. That's why God didn't just take us with a, with him, say, forget this thing. Let's just shut it down. The last good thing was the dinosaurs. Now they're gone. You guys messed it up, you know. He, he left us here for a purpose, for a reason. Can we just stand and uh, just close our eyes for a moment? just kind of give some people some space around us. As I just want to give an opportunity just for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. We want to hear from you. I'm gonna ask you two questions this morning that if you just ask yourself this, ask God to maybe reveal to you, speak to you. First question is Where have you compromised who you are? Where have you allowed yourself to be of the world? I don't ask this question so that you'd feel ashamed of that at all. It's actually more so that you can find freedom from it today. Continue to embrace God's plan for you. Thank you, God. Thank you for these children of of you, Lord, that they are a light to this world. The other question I want to ask you is, who needs you to bring Jesus to them? Who needs you to bring Jesus to them? Where do you need to be in the world? Where do you need to step up and bring the glory of God with you, the Holy Spirit with you? God, we come to you today humbly before you. Just asking that you'd help us with our temptations, with our pride, with our lack of self-control. God, forgive us. Forgive us for being of the world at times. And forgive us for resisting your plans for us to be in the world. Thank you, Father, that there's so much purpose in this room. Thank you, God, for the families that are gonna be changed from our embrace of just loving them as they are. Thank you for the workplaces that are gonna be changed from us choosing not to isolate ourselves, but to love people, to see people as you see them. Thank you, God, for the stories of life change that will come from our deep conviction to be like you, to follow you. Jesus, have your way in us. We align ourselves with you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hey, if you're in this room or you're online and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, you haven't declared that he's your Lord, and decided to live for Him, and you want to make a decision now to live for Him, the Bible says it's really easy. At the start of the journey, it's really simple. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. So if you want to begin that journey of following Jesus today, I'm just going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me, whether you're in the room or online, and say these words after me, and I'll ask everybody who's in the room just to repeat it as well in agreement with those who are praying this prayer. Jesus, Thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe that you are Lord and God raised you from the dead. From now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at CelebrationEdmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.